We are I. All right, James, I say to everybody, there's usually very few positive things about social media. And every once in a while, there comes a point in time where I see the value in it. And this would be one of those times when you get to make a connection with somebody and sit down and just have a great conversation with them. Uh, I haven't researched you. I know very little about you because I don't like to go in knowing anything about. So I love my first conversation with somebody in an environment like this just to be the real form. So like when we start talking today, like I take it as that I know nothing about you like you were born one day and you ended up here and I know nothing in between <laughs> I love that man this is well that's organic that's uh that's creative alchemy let's let's rock and roll thank you for having me on the show and I My look pleasure. forward to uh seeing where this dance goes yeah uh conscious warrior coaching now mm-hmm. that's a, like as soon as I seen that, that, it was one of the things that initially drew me into wanting to investigate who you are. But then I hit the pause button. I'm like, you know what? Like, just step away because you know you're going to invite this guy in as a guest. Hopefully, he accepts. You did. Um, why? Like, what? Like, why is consciousness conscious where you're coaching? Like, what's the concept behind behind it, and why did you start it? Yeah, I, I think. Um... It's exactly why you and I connected. I, I think there's a there's a paradigm shift happening out there with males, uh, specifically with males, that I, I truly feel we're a little bit late to the dance. Women have been doing this for a while to to embody this sense of consciousness, this sense of uh, being heart led. We we hear that term a lot, heart led, uh, and that's that's really a a culmination of my journey on this planet is is being. Uh, a warrior uh, in my different arenas of life that I've been very blessed and, and humbled to have uh, have lived in and and come out the other side with some deep personal work some 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 obviously some major pivots along the way to to really real to to ultimately realize Blake that uh, the the truth inside of James is is love in everything I do and and you know, I'm not, I'm not a hippy dippy guy. I'm not going to go out and, you know, chant at the moon, make it and play the bongos like McConaughey or something, but I'm going to, I'm going to just. Sounds like fun though, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just going to, I'm going to lead with love and, and, and uh, arms open and arms at people's back and, and walk side by side with, with them. So there's a reason why, because I, I am, I've considered myself a a warrior on a hero's journey, I think, as we all are to some degree. And and now I've realized that it's it's a conscious warrior. So so taking that lens and and spinning it around to to help other people in whatever facet they need. See, and, you know, and this is like where I the the concept like I I love like heart legs, like really that speaks to me is just compassion. I mean, like really, that's all that that means. And the more that we can be compassionate to, you know, people, whether it be male to male, female to male, any one of these uh, Mm. situations. But I always connect that back with being intuitive, like really bringing it back to like listening to our intuition, because 
I believe, like I, I wholeheartedly believe that our intuition is directly connected with our compassion. You know, and with the more that we listen to our intuition, we're more compassionate with ourselves. And when we connect with that internally, there's no way that we can't exude that externally. Like, do you agree with that concept? A hundred percent. And and I and it's not some elusive Da Vinci code. I, I truly believe we all have the ability to be intuitive. And uh, even in my my journey, I can look back and I can see the seeds where it's like I've always had this feeling. I didn't know what to label it. I didn't know how to read, and I just kind of instinctively knew certain things and felt energy. And and then of course, as I dived more into the world that you and I live in now, it's like. Yeah, man, it's 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 a doorway to compassion. It's a doorway to uh, to a lot of things, honestly. To to just being a an elevated human being. To be honest with you, um, do you think like the the two things that let us awry are the American dream and heavily urbanized environments? Because both of those things cast a huge shadow over intuition and compassion. Because how can you be truly connected with your intuition and your intuitive experiences when you were berated with noise all day long in heavily inver- in, like urbanized environments? But then like the American dream is all like, get the fuck out of my way, like sharpen your elbows and just start getting in there because it's all about like, there's no way that you can connect with intuition and compassion when you, we are heavily plagued with these two concepts, you know, and then never mind. then you want to stack the layers of like, marketing and you know like all of these like you know then sports you know like we we multi-layer all this but like the two things that i find that really just sharpen people's elbows and cloud the connection with their intuition is urbanized environments because i'm in the backcountry so much and i lead teams into the backcountry and i see the metamorphosis immediately when there's like this osmosis of the backcountry just infusing into people you know and then when a lot of people abandon the typical American dream. They're like, you know what? This passion project can be my nine to five, you know, and they start connecting a little bit more back with like, I might have less, but I've gained so much more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm smiling because you're, you're like, get out of my head, Blake. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I'm, I'm in the process of writing a book right now. I've been, I've been writing it for over a year. I'm passing it off to the publisher in two more months super excited and and it really that what this what you just talked about is the crux of my book and i boil that down to to one word those two things i i boil it down to one word and that is expectation yeah and you know in my journey that we talk intuitiveness in my journey it was the 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 little jimmy the child within if you will had this this conduit that was unobstructed and it wasn't until I moved to New York City when I was 23 and a half, uh, you know, I, I, I stepped into an arena of life, real life. And all of a sudden I was, you know, stuffed this playbook of, of how life's supposed to be. Do this, wear that, save this, get married, have this many kids, worth associated with all these external things. And so, yeah, so then it that conduit as i as i went through my life that conduit started to get started to get blocked and and of course that fissure happened between my inner child and me and i went on this this path we get weaving an egoic sword if you will and living for all those external things that 
you know, I was uh, putting self-worth too. And exactly your point, like you talk about the backwoods, for me, and you know, my turning point in life, my jungle event, if you will, I went into the jungle, not literally, but figuratively, um, and, and stripped myself of all that bullshit. And so, you know, Conscious Warrior, my whole brand is the hero within, and that hero within is truth. And that truth is connecting or reconnecting to the inner child, that intuition, and then understanding then trusting that truth to guide me. I don't need a playbook. I create my own playbook, right? Um, and then, you know, as I come out of the, as I come out of the jungle, as I'm sure you take your teams out of the wilderness back in, it's like, I'm only, I'm only bringing in shit that serves me. That's it. And I, and the intuitiveness that I trust is allowing me to pick and choose. Right. Yeah, you know, it is one of those things that I find to be like, you know, really interesting, you know, about us as human beings is that like, you kind of noted in this before that I do you feel like we're starting to abandon a conversation like this being labeled as like two new age hippies having a conversation like peace and love because they're like, there's still a big part of that, you know, and like you see it with like anything that involves a connection with our environment around us, how a naturopathic doctor is not a real doctor. If you talk about love as a man, you must be a hippie and you probably have some orgy commune somewhere. And, you know, like you just like it, we still are living in an environment where we're going through this, but, you know, just being in health and fitness for so long, like, you know, 20 years ago, I was the guy at the table ordering like a chicken salad being like, I can't believe you're that guy. What are you trying to prove? You know, like now it's super common that you see this pendulum shifting but I feel like, I don't know your thoughts and opinions, and maybe you can weigh in this. It's like toxic masculinity almost ruined the ability for men to come out and have a strong concept with a softer edge. Because it's like, just because I'm goal-driven doesn't make me toxic. Doesn't make, Just because I'm a man doesn't make me toxic. But if I don't think you're men because you don't have hairy legs and smoke a cigar, then yeah, like that's just an asshole. It's not like a it's not toxic masculinity like you're just an asshole that's all it really comes down to you know like so like but you see like how p i i feel like a lot of men in this space had to choose between are you a man or do you buy into toxic masculinity and i'm like hold up like there, there's a big middle ground like there's just like this this guy you know here that just may be super connected with his emotions and then there's this guy that's just a straight dick and in between there is where a lot of men can operate totally. and still be a strong man, but still be like, you know what? If you need a hug, I mean, like my best friend is in his office. We had a meeting. We work together. He's been my best friend for like 10 years and we're all like locking horns on a concept, but we both know we still respect each other. And at the end I give him a hug and you know, like he has a tear running down his eyes because he's so overwhelmed at work. And it's like, Bro, and then we send a message to each other. We still love each other. You're like, love you, bro. Thanks for the meeting yesterday. And it's like, I don't feel that the opposite of that guy is toxic masculinity. I look at it as like, I'm just a human being. That's all I want to be. You know, and if, you know, in a situation like that comes along, like I just want to operate in the light of being a human, not being it operating in an environment where it has to have a, a label of something. Yeah. Because if I'm not operating toxic masculinity, what's the alternative to that? 
And I don't even know. Like, that's a question that it doesn't seem like a lot of people can answer. It's like, well, if I abandon this toxic masculinity concept that I never really felt like I was anyway, well, what am I now? You know, my not a man uh, am i still a man so you get up in this like confused state but like always bring it back always tell people i'm like why can't we just be a human being yeah like you know like and that's just the base that's just the foundation it doesn't need to be like a thing it's just this is our <laughs> thing and we've lost sight of that in such a degree that we don't have the community that supports that when i am just a human being you and i can coexist in a community in a very harmonious way but like when it becomes like a label, whether you're this guy or this guy, then, well, you have to choose a side and that's where polarization starts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. hundred um, <laughs> percent. There's a reason why the Neanderthals died out. That's what I always say when we, mm-hmm. when we talk about men and we talk about toxicity. Um, I, you know, the alpha male, I, I, it's, it's, well, I'm a conscious alpha male and, and, you know, you talked about the extremes and, and the labeling and, and, and I use this analogy for, for everything in life. I just, I come back to it. And, and that is, where do we find our middle lane? And, uh, you know, the, take my young girls when I used to take them bowling, right? Go on the bowling lane and we put up the little bumpers on either side of the bowling lane, right? So they throw the ball. And it bounces and goes and goes, but they're, they're in that middle lane. They're never going to go over here. They're never going to swing this way. And if we can, each of us as men, and since we're talking men as human beings, though, can operate in that middle lane and do the work to understand what type of person we are, that's the sweet spot. Because that middle lane is exactly the scenario with you and your bro at work. It's like, you know, that it allows you that flexibility with which to honestly to give yourself permission to show up within that within that structure and 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 I'm the same man like you know high performance athlete a fucking heavy metal guy you know WWE fanatic like you name it right like I'm a guy and yet the notebook's one of my favorite movies I cry at every fucking Hallmark movie you know like it just, it is what it is, right? And, and there's some days where I operate with more of that masculine to label it. We don't want to label it, but, you know, more of the, uh, get shit done. Yeah. And then there's, there's days I show up where I'm honoring, you know, the feminine part. And I'm like, oh man, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's ease and flow. It's peace and love. And, and, and when I talked about that jungle event, Blake, coming out, the strongest thing for me was to embrace the feminine side of that equation. And now it's like, I feel like I'm fully loaded to, to kind of handle whatever comes my way. See, it, sorry, just to like jump on you there. I apologize because this is a topic that I have a conversation, a topic of conversation I have with a lot of guys I know. Well, and women too, but mostly guys. Why are some emotions feminine and why are some masculine? Why are they the not just emotions of the human experience? Because like, I agree with you. It, like, like my, what my oldest daughter, just because my youngest two don't really get it yet. Cause they're too young, but she's just like, she'll look over at me and we're watching like the lion King. And I'm like, motherfucker, you know, like, <laughs> and she's like, why are you crying? And I'm like, because I have life experience and you don't, you know, like, right. 
I get this. I'm like, they're talking to me too, not just you. You're watching these lions run through the savannah, but I'm just all like, I know what it's like to fight against (laughs) tyranny, you know, like, you know, like I got my arms shackled and I'll lean in with my shoulders and like this. But I told her, I'm like, I'm not crying because that's sad. Like I'm crying because I'm like, I know what I've been through in my life. My life experience is just like, you've earned the right to cry watching this because I know what I've been through no matter what, like what is like, that's my connection with this. But I always find again, it's like, this is that polarization where it's just like, if I cry, is that connecting with my feminine side or just more of me as a human being? Because we have all these emotions that literally carry all of equal value, but we've been indoctrinated to think that like these emotions are in category A, these emotions are in category B. And we have, when we think of them or we feel them, we put ourselves in that category, except for always bringing it back to category human, because all of these emotions have the same and equal value to us. We can't hyperpolarize to like one, like, yes, I want to be strong. But as we know through life experience, especially as men, one of the strongest things that you can do as a man is show humility, not bench press mm-hmm. 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. But like, I still feel like that that's just like, me tapping into my human experience versus my feminine experience like how how do you feel about that well i yeah i i think you know that's a i guess it depends on the context of of discussion so you know if if you if if blake and james are, are trying to change the label world it's like yeah it's like fuck the labels this is a human being experience Mm-hmm. just James Gardner, the human being cries. It's not James Gardner. The, the feminine side decides to cry when he's watching America's got talent with his 10 year old. Mm-hmm. No. Right. It's just my human experience. So I, I agree with you hundred uh, percent where, and this is the work maybe that I have to do is I haven't decided to label. I haven't decided to uh, undertake a mission to change that paradigm. So I create awareness. And so I'm, you know, when I use emotional things like that and, and labels, predetermined labels, it creates relatability. So I, I find that I naturally fall into that so that I can, I can reach the other person on the side, on the other side of the camera. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I, I agree with you. I just haven't taken that step to, to want to facilitate a physical or uh, just a, a perceived change in how we label things yeah you know it, but you you bring up even something that i feel all the time and like that's our programming and i remember uh laura interlandy like this was like two years ago on this podcast when she sat across from me on camera it's like you know like our when we have a thought that our first reaction is our programming and our second reaction is our intuition and if we wait long enough before we speak we'll tap into our intuitive response versus our program response and I see like what I just happened with you where like you didn't want to say label, but you go to say label. And I'm that way too, where it's just like, we need to categorize things. And I, that's why I've started pushing back so hard against that because like, it takes a certain type of man to want to sit across from you and say like, can you tap into your feminine side? It's like, you know, like you'll get a lot of men who are just like, Oh, I ain't a bitch. You know, they're like, no, 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 no. Like, like, that's not what I'm saying. Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. But like that, like when things carry like a, you know, like a label or a stamp or whatever we want to call it, it's like people, 
instantaneously based on our programming have to fundamentally make a choice in a split second and it changes the entire narrative of your conversation Mm -hmm. and i find like that's like where it's either we win or lose a true connection with somebody to be able to just have like a real honest conversation and i feel like it's a great perspective for like you and i because like i think you and i are both the type of people where you want to abandon like that program thought tap more into the intuitive thought and say like, where's this going to lead us? You know? Mm. And I love it. Cause every time I look at you, I can see the adventure tall ship on it. I'm just like, that's like, that's life. You know, I'm a very Dallas methodology, um, liver thinker believer. And, you know, adventure screams my name and all these, cause like adventures and experience and experiences connection and connection is what makes me whole. You know, and like, again, like this is to me, like the powers of what social media can be because you can find other people who are like, this is how the narrative changes is like, like, especially with you, you have a ton of influence. You speak a lot, you and you involve yourself in a lot of different communities and like you have a real power to be able to make change, not only just for men, but for like the human experience as a whole. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, for saying that. Uh, and, and I, I do feel responsibility. I think we all have a responsibility to, to step up. Could you imagine what a collective impact that would be if we, if we all took some responsibility to elevate the human condition, not the male condition, not the female condition, but the human condition? Um, it's, it's a powerful thing. Yeah. Where, why do you think, like outside of like an, an American dream or like we came here, because like, like people really formed or helped forge this land this landmass that we call home today, based on all these concepts of just wanting to be able to be free. Why do you think that we're so innate to be able to keep backing ourselves into corners? It seems like it's like human nature to like back ourselves collectively as a community into a corner. But it seems like that there's a certain group of people to call it, take like First Nations people and in Canada or, you know, like the U S and we have different, um, examples of this around the world where, where people never really truly had that or abandoned that altogether and said, I, I choose harmonious living across the board, but like us in like Western culture, it's like, we are damned to be able to always box ourselves back into a corner. Like, is that, is, as long as we have a strong Western influence or are we, predicting our own inevitable future because we all know the famous saying that the, the history is bound to repeat itself you know and we see this especially going on today the way that our world is is operating and like what's your thoughts and opinions on that <clears throat> i know it's a heavy question it is it is uh and it's a it's a tangled web conversation well i think i think a big part is we are seekers. So, so we've been hardwired with this, this colonial imprint of adventure, freedom, uh, carving our, our, carving our path in life through, through our hands in a foreign land. And there's, there's adventure, there's romance, there's all of these things that encompass that. Uh, and so we, we create, so we have this need to dominate this need to, to, take charge uh, and a lot of times take charge 
not realizing that we have to pay the price for that action, that building, that this, you know, war, this domination, this whatever it is. Uh, and then we, we instinctively, I think, back ourselves into a corner because then we struggle with, again, I'll use the word expectation, what's expected of us, you know, when, you know, what's expected of people when they, they travel to a foreign land and they, 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 they're not, they don't really care or know or want to care if the land belongs to someone else instinctively. Um, so they're always driven. I think, if I may, I think those type of people are driven by their own need for something. And you talk the, you talk the opposite, which are some of these harmonious cultures that I would dare, I would say that don't operate that way, right? It's not a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a harmonious way of existence. And so they take, I don't know if you'll call it ego, whatever it is, that is out of that equation. So you could possibly boil it down, Blake, to ego. I don't know, is ego the thing that puts people in a corner? Um, yeah, and, you know, and when I look at it, like, I think there's multiple ways that we can boil this down. And I always come back to this concept and I know it gets shuffled around a little bit, but I don't think it gets enough airtime as much as what it should is that is constant innovation and advancement healthy for us. Like I understand that there's components that may make your life easier, but we all know an easy life isn't necessarily a better life for us in the current physical, mental, and emotional state that we operate in. Because like we know, if I want to lose a little bit of facial hair or arm hair as a human being, it's going to take me about 10,000 years for a subtle change biologically. Like we just know that. So there's no way that we can adapt mentally, emotionally, and physically to our ever-changing environment now. Like are, do we get lost in the shuffle of the way of technology? I do. I, I, I firmly believe that we are in many ways de-evolving with the advance of technology. So it, it, it's kind of a counterproductive thing. And, and so many ways I do. Uh, and I, I, feel, I feel as a whole, uh, there's a lot of desensitization that's happening. Um, there's more perhaps selfishness than ever collectively. Um, so, I agree with you and, and why I do, I mean, I do think technology has its place and, and, you know, here I am with my iPhone and laptop and. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, uh, and I think it's like anything that middle lane that I was talking about. So what does that mean for James Gardner? How do, how does James Gardner, the human being, right. Show up to, to balance the technology, his need for social media, his need for a stage to talk and yet still have that harmonious existence that we were talking about with, with, with some of the uh, civilizations around. What do you do to disconnect? God. <laughs> <laughs> that, that almost says it all right there. <laughs> uh, great. Well, there's a lot of things for me, for me, music, is 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 what I is what I do. Uh, 
sometimes I'm compelled to get in mother nature. Sometimes I'm an ocean guy. I think you're, a, you're probably a wood guy, woods guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm an ocean guy. So you, you, you stick me uh, on an ocean, on a bluff somewhere. That's my, that's my reset. Oh, it's been that way since I was born on the East coast. Same thing as a kid. I had, that was my calling. We just instinctively called there. What, uh, what do you, what do you feel inside? Like when you're sitting there on that bluff, like overlooking that, the ocean, like, like what happens inside you? Oh, it's juicy. Uh, I feel whole. I, I operate by a core compass. I have four points that guide me every day. Truth, freedom, intimacy, and artistry. Uh, that those things create a, a, a sense of romance for me, uh, how I look at the world, how I, how I take a sensory symphonic experience of, of every moment. And when I'm there at the ocean is, is when that conduit is completely open. Uh, I feel, I feel connected. I feel connected to to the earth, just as I'm sure you feel connected when you're, when you're in the back country doing your thing, there's a, there's a connection to lineage, to history, uh, to, to Europe and, and, and ancestors that, that I've, you know, that I'm from, there's just, uh, I just feel connection. That's just it. Yeah. See, you know, and this is something that, that I've, feel when I'm in the backcountry is that I don't really say that this is like spirits or ghosts or whatever it may be or like I kind of look at it more as like an energy field that I can't explain but it's you also you almost I almost feel like the movement that's happened preceding me where it's like I'll go in and I'll be like walking in the backcountry you know in BC some of these big old growth like cedars and I see the little things, steps I've been carved or they used to put the wood planks when these guys are sawing these trees down. And it's like, I, I sit there and it's almost like I can see them doing it because there's nothing else around. There's nothing else for me to like focus on. It's like, I feel that energy. Like it's almost like you can see the sweat on these guys and the toil that they went through. And, you know, and the one thing when I'm in the backcountry, you know, I was sitting on the summit of this mountain a couple of years ago. And I'm looking out over and I have the moments just like you were you're like 20, 30 minutes, an hour goes by. And you're just like, wow, you just lose this time because it just strips everything away from you. And I thought, I'm like, you know, mountains actually represent the most gross, disgusting destruction. They're so destructive. They're so violent. Like you, you don't see anything else outside of a volcano that is disruptive to this planet is what a mountain range is. But I'm like the peace and the harmony. Like I, just, I love the representations and like sitting there, like I get to be able to absorb that. I get to pull that into my body being like, no matter what is going on in life, I can like, there can be the bubble up of like this crust of like the core and the smashing of this rock and just sheer violence. And then you get to this point where it's just serenity and calm. And I feel like when you have representations of serenity and calm, it changes you. It changes the way that you think. It changes the way that you act. It changes the way that your heart perceives. It changes the way you physically operate. And it sounds like that you tap into that same thing when you're looking out over the ocean. So I definitely know what you're talking about. I do. 
I do. And, and, you know, you were talking about the, the, the trees and the cedars and, and much is the same for me. I grew up in New England on the States. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of history there. Uh, and, and I think that's why I'm called to that. And, and so what you get, I get from a cobblestone street. Mm-hmm. You know, I can put my hand against a, a building that was built in 1780. And I, I swear to God, I, I have this, you want to call it, label it ghosts, whatever it is, right? This, just this energetic transference from, from, from a time before me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I get peace from that. You know, I, I, uh, I, it, it's, it's really weird. And I've only really known, I've only really stepped into this the last handful of years, two, three years, maybe at the most. Um, and it's, it's amazing. So, so for me, you know, like I, if I had my choice nine times out of 10, I would not go to the Caribbean and sit on a hammock with a Corona as amazing as that would be. But I, I sure as shit would stand in the, in a cobblestone street in Edinburgh or somewhere in Europe, Eastern Europe, whatever, and just hold counsel for whatever shows up. That's the shit that, that lights my fire. Yeah. And I'm the same way. I always tell people, I'm like, you know, all I need is shoes and a backpack. That That's all <laughs> I need to be able to connect with what really connects with me. Because one thing that I feel in those moments, and this is the part that I love the most. And I always want to just hold in my hands with like just the softest silk gloves is that people used to stand for something. And mm-hmm. I feel like very few people stand for something now. Like, like there's just, there's not a, an abundance of being like, you know, this is my name. My name means something in this community. My family means something in this community. I'm going to uphold that. Like, and I, I feel that like, and, and I, maybe it's because I want to connect with that. Like that's, that's what I want to feel from that experience. But I just, I find it so hard now that, you know, like there's just, there's this illusion or, or facade of meaning, like what it means to be Blake. Like, like you want like this, this is who I am and this is what I stand for. And it not be signaling or virtue signaling or anything like that. It's more just like, I made this desk. This is my desk. I forged this with my hands. I made this sword. I made this car. I built this house. But it was like quality because it meant something to you. Like it wasn't just something arbitrarily that happened or you did, but it was like you wanted in a hundred years from now for somebody to be like, that's a Venichuk desk. Like <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like I, I love that. And like, when you say that you put your hand on like a cobblestone street, it's like, I see that in my mind when you're talking about it. Like I see it like these guys, you know, like that the lines, they meant something, you know, like the mm-hmm. size of the rocks, they meant something, the spacing, it meant something because they, they wanted to know that they were a part of that process. And it, meant something for it to be good. And, and we see this in representations of all, a lot of these structures that hundreds of years or thousands or tens of thousands of years are still standing because of that code. However, if we abandon everything, if we got wiped off this planet right now, our representation of the last like 50 years would be gone immediately. But we would still be left with those representations of 100 years ago, 500 years ago, 1000 years ago. And that's what I love. I love that moment. Yes, I think uh, 
this is a great conversation. I want to dive into this. This um, the most complex thing in the world is simplicity, and and I truly feel we because uh, you talked about name. Like we know back in the day, the name was all people had. There was a sense of honor, and and that honor has now there's a disillusion. Like you were saying, there's just this with all this noise. Um, it, it's causing people to shiny, shiny object syndrome, right? Where everyone's like a flipping squirrel trying to cross the road, trying to understand what their lot in life is. Uh, getting back to, to the, I'm going to say the old days, the olden days, uh, but it was a more simple way of life. You talked about technology, right? Well, technology wasn't around. And if it was, it wasn't, it evolved in a lot less rapid freight train than it does now. And so there was more of an integration. And I think there was more of a, of a harmonious balance of, of mental evolution with the technical evolution. Uh, you know, now it's completely out of fucking whack. At the end of the day, back then, people, that's all that people had was their name and their pride in what they were doing. Um, and, it wasn't, it wasn't about the next job. It wasn't about, well, I can make shift these lines. And, you know, if I can hire 10 people, I can multiply my impact and I can double up my revenue next month and, and do this. And yeah, you know what? My hundred percent job might go down to 80, but that's okay. I'm going to be fucking living the high life. There's so many things, uh, war, everything, you know, like I think, I, I haven't really thought this through, Blake. I'm just going to throw it out there. Probably going to get chastised for this. I don't know. I think to be a human being back in the day, a good human being took a hell of a lot more balls and, and fortitude than it does today. Um, yeah, but this is a one thing, like, is your target sort to cut you off, but yeah. it's, it's, this is, this is, something that I come back to all, all the time is there's real integrity, but like how many people do you interact with in a day and a week and a month and a year where you're like that motherfucker has integrity. Like it's so elusive. And with technological advancement, integrity has gone rapidly down. Mm -hmm. So like there's, but like why would integrity ever be compatible with, technology but it has been it's one of the things that's been most intrinsic with the advancement of technology is like integrity ethics and morals just have been absolutely corroded you know because like when you look at that like it, it's really like our integrity is what what has changed and this is like what people don't want to come back to and like where you said like i, I see this routine i'm like if i was like hey james like let's embark on this business deal. I'm going to hire you to be able to um, do the paving stones in my driveway. And you're just like, well, I got these other jobs. I'll have it done in three weeks. And, you know, then it's done in three months. It's <laughs> done, you know, 35% over budget. You know, it doesn't even really look the way that I wanted it to, but we become like that is satisfactory almost for both parties. Now, rewind a hundred years ago. And I know that this is a real in your face example, but like I choose to always have examples that show extremes. 
if I was like not happy with that job, I took my hand, my glove off my hand and I slapped you across the face and said, I challenge you to a duel. Take your 10 steps at noon, sir. Like you will make sure that is done in three weeks. It'll be done impeccable and it'll be done on budget or under budget. Like what happened to jobs being under budget and that being passed on to a customer? Like that's completely elusive now, but that used to happen all the time. That's mad talk. And people used to pride themselves of being like, you know what? I saved you 10% because I got the job done under budget. Now it's just a way for a GC to be able to earn an extra 10% because then they can say, well, this is what the project was quoted at. This is what I came in at. That goes into my pocket. It doesn't get passed on to the customer. But like when there was actual immediate consequence, you know, whether that be 10 steps at noon whether that be your, your family name gets tarnished in your community, but these things had immediate impact. We don't have immediate impact in the news cycle is every half second. Bam, 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 new news. Like your old news by the time that the thing has happened and come around anyway. Like we don't have that. Do we need more consequence? Do we need more immediate consequence back in our life to have better integrity? I think integrity is on par or is a direct result of how high the stakes are in the game. I think back in the day, you know, there was no, there, there is no easy street. There is no safety net, you know, the, 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 the cobblestone brick layer, stone mason, whatever he is, man, if he didn't do a job, he wasn't going to get paid. He wasn't going to be able to put a, flipping loaf of bread on and, and, you know, you know, like it, it, I think the stakes have increased, have have decreased, excuse me. So the stakes have decreased. Yeah. We all have bills to pay and, and I, and I get there's a class still in society and all that, but you know, with the healthcare system, everything like there's, there's still a safety net. I know there's some unfortunate few or, or or not few, there's more and more that are definitely homeless which has always been the case in the world. But I think for a collective whole, there's more, there's more of a safety net than there's ever been. And, and, and you know, whether, whether you want to make money, whether you want to lose weight, whether you want to make the Olympics, build a business, what does it come down to? Stakes? How high are the stakes? What, what's the level of priority in your life? What's the pain associated with it? Uh, that's a facilit- facilitator of change, good practice, and, and all of that. You're talking about these, these, um, these, these GCs, right? These general contractors. And, and at the end of the day, maybe it's because we've evolved in a bad way our relationship with money, right? Money's always been the thing. I mean, people have money provides food. I get that. Uh, but now with this false sense of reality, if you will, and, and expectation book handed to us, well, we can do this. We can shortchange the customer, get away with it because it's a common practice. Well, it's common. Everyone else does it. So fuck, right? Again, no one's really self-inventory. No one's checking their truth, checking their intuition, checking their, their own moral compass. I mean, there are some, absolutely, right? Uh, but how big are the stakes? I go back to that. Yeah, and, you know, and like this is, you know, like they say, like a, you made a, a good point about like, it's surely coming down to like how high are the stakes and you know now because of like a lot of these social safety nets that we have 
you know, like you've taken like any real sense of, um, I, I don't know whether it be abandonment or, or what the actual like term would be, but like reliance upon oneself to have a, a basic living. Because like, if we can't live like in the past saying like, well, if we don't have these social safety nets, it's going to be like, you're working seven days a week for 20 hours a day in the salt mines. Like that's not even a reality anymore, but it seems like that's the narrative. Like we need these social safety nets because it's like, that's the alternative. And it's like, but it's not like, it really isn't, you know, and you see this, especially now with like how many employers are struggling to be able to find employees. You know, but I know that we're not going to get too big into politics, but it's like, but then you have like a liberal government who wants to extend a lot of these, you know, social benefit programs because there's, you know, like this new election, federal election coming up. But it's like, that doesn't help the citizens. It, it may help you get back into office, but it doesn't help the people who are supposed to be running this country, which is us as people. You know, and we look at like the more that we have this, like you can go out and you can get a job. It may not, it might be a job making $15 an hour or $20 an hour, but you know what? The beautiful part about this land is we have the opportunity to be able to make 15, then 18, then 20, then 25, then 30, then 60, then 100, you know, and and then you build upon something. But again, this is where to me, like it comes back down to the integrity. Do you have the integrity long term to be able to see that that plan play out? Like, what is your succession plan for when this stops? What are you going into next? What's happening next? And you see it with like your accomplishments, like you see them on the board of representation, behind you like simply that you are you know in a in a rowboat like you were rowing like like that alone when somebody embarks upon like a sport that is just horrendously hard to be a high performer at like like that's that kind of integrity that gets lost because if there's a social safety net for rowing it'd be like riding a fucking electric skateboard now like it boggles my mind you know you're saying like this guy is like drinking a huge slurpee while riding his electric skateboard and i was like man like we can't get any lazier like sure it's fun like technology is fun but like like man like you know i had this conversation with my oldest daughter when she was maybe four or five and you know we were driving down the road and there was somebody in a in an electric wheelchair and she's just like why does that person get a like why don't they have to walk and i'm like well they might not actually be able to walk you know and she's just like well i would love that you know, and I'm like, no, you don't. Like, I understand why it's appealing because walking might be moderately taxing, especially you being so young. But we don't want to glorify that. But you speed it up five or six years. There's electric scooters, electric skateboards, electric bikes, like electric all bike of these shops. things that like, like we can't get any lazier. And I feel like the lazier that people get, the more that we lose that sense of, integrity because integrity is hard like integrity is really difficult to be able to make and maintain and you know that's why like i posted like another video on my instagram account today is like when i was pushing that 1100 pound weight sled last year and it's like i need those things to forge that in my mind i need to shove my mind and my body in the fire and i need to pull it out and put it in the water because it's like when life pushes, it's like, motherfucker, I'll push back. If you think you can push hard, like bring it in. I don't like that that attitude is initially attached to ego. And I know a lot of people say, well, it's like, it's your ego talking. It's like, no, no, no. I'm like, that's my integrity saying I can stand up on my to be like, 
when I was almost dying of hypothermia in the cave in the backcountry, the only thing that got me out is like my integrity and will of wanting to live. It wasn't my ego saying I can beat this hypothermia. It's the same mindset that makes me want to push these 1100 pound weights. Like it's like all these things that we accomplish in our life, but it's, I like, I know I need that. Like I need those moments. And when I don't have those moments, I don't like who I am as human being. Like I, and I couldn't imagine if I was that human being day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, I know the inevitable destruction of myself, not having that is an absolute necessity because there's very little that I do in my day now that's going to tax that when I was a, still a farm kid in Southern Alberta, absolutely. I got taxed like that all the time. When I was an athlete, I, yeah, I got taxed like that all the time. My life now does not tax me like that. I need to create those environments, but it takes a lot of integrity to be able to want to do that. And when you see people like that come into your life, like you and like people like that, where like you choose struggle, like you choose to be able to put yourself in like the flames of like atrocity and integrity. And you say, I'm going to come out on the backside of that because that's how you get there. And you can look back on it when you go into that metaphorical jungle and you say like, yes, like I now know what's a priority to me because like I can connect with how I feel inside, you know, and I know who I am as a person and my mind is clear enough to be able to go into this with an open mind and an open heart and open arms to myself and my community around you. It's like, like, that's hard. Like that's a lot of work. Like you can probably contest that over the last two or three years for personal development have probably been some of the hardest of your entire life. 100%. They, without question, without question. Um, you know, your integrity, I, I think what just landed for me in, the, in that, on your little discussion there, which was awesome, this kind of forged, you know, you need that forge to, to solidify and create your, your weapon, your sword of integrity. And I, I think that is the shit that prevents you from falling into the entitlement zone. And, and I think there's more entitlement or the sense of entitlement out there with people um, than ever before. And the same, so, so you know, the, the personal growth that I've done, the, the kind of re, later in my life when I got back into the high performance arena as a, as a rower and an Ironman athlete, I'm like, it was, it was, to, it was to forge my weapon, just like you, to prevent from just, okay, life, what are you giving me? I'm here, right? This sense of entitlement. Um, or this sense of woes me, fuck, like not a day goes by that I don't struggle with something. I mean, I'm no different than anyone else. Uh, the, the, pro the, the, the difference is the differentiating factor is I don't pull the fucking entitlement card, right? If I'm going to go in like you, if I'm going to go into the belly of the beast, I need that. I want that. And sometimes that's what makes me not sometimes it what it, uh, it what makes me stronger um it, it makes me you know from from iron to steel to fucking platinum or whatever yeah 
whatever See, that this, shit that Wolverine has. Yeah. Whatever that and is. And this is this is the the part that I have with it because if you if if a certain group of people listen to this, for one, you're being a toxic male living through your ego. But it's like, no, 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 no. Like, like that's, it's not. And that's why I feel like because people don't, haven't tapped into and are willing to be able to tap into that in a very natural state with inside yourself because it's not burning inside you, you don't know. Like, that's why I say to people, I will do anything. I don't really necessarily care about finishing first. Even if I happen to, I'm not the, the guy that's just starving. Where's the cameras? And it's just like, no, I'm just kind of like, well, like, we're just done. Like, you know, I talk with a lot of, uh, a lot of CEOs and this is an underlying thing that I've noticed with a lot of them. Um, maybe it's just the social network that I'm around is that why do we never feel satisfied? Like when something like a big business deal closes or, you know, like this, that, mm-hmm. the next thing. And, I, and I'm like, because it, it should be that way. You know why? Because when you wake up every morning, when you work towards that, like, like it, that's the inevitable outcome. You don't need to celebrate that because the celebration game every day that you worked your ass off, every day that you went through. And I'm like, and if you did it with like an ethical and a moral and integral code, then you celebrate every day because you start to, to true to who you are. Your word means something. You mean something. When you step out in that arena of the world, your your ethics, your morals, and your integrity, they mean something to you. That's the victory, not at the end, because at the end just means you get the pleasure of starting something sure. new. Yeah, exactly. It's just a, it's just the end of the chapter. And then what's next? Because every one of those micro uh, events, podium events, I call them, right? Uh, micro, macro, every one is a step of growth. Every one. So I don't know about you, I want to keep growing in life. And so how I do that is to have that mindset and that mentality of continually stepping on the podium. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not a, it's not necessarily a self-worth fucking medal that I'm giving myself for any other recognition. No, it's like, this is what I need. I'm hardwired in a way to, to, set a goal to honor that goal. If it's aligned with my truth, which it is, I'll honor that goal, create a plan of action, dedicate myself to that plan of action, show up consistently, good, bad, and ugly, course correct, pivot if I do, if I have to. And if I fail, it's never failing. I fail forward. So it doesn't matter. So then it's just, okay. Uh, I wipe the blood off. I get up. What's next? And I know it, it, it. And when we're in that, like you know as well as I, you know, it's it's some heavy shit sometimes. When we're removed from the picture frame, I can be like, yeah, like I can look back at those three years, those two years specifically that I went into the jungle. I'm like, holy fuck! If I actually sit and you know in the in my book writing process and go through that, I'm like, what the, what the fuck was I thinking? what an idiot, like, oh, how the hell did I survive? But when I'm removed, I'm like, but look at me now, right? I would not be here talking to you if I didn't do the work. I would not be here speaking on stages and getting on podcasts and, and just having conversations with people of contribution if I hadn't done that. And I wouldn't have had the ability to do that if I didn't get into the sports arena previously or 
have the balls enough to to move to New York City when I was 23, not knowing a soul. And and whatever the case is, right? Everything leads a step of growth leads to to more and more self-actualization. See, and like that right there is when I always speak upon the fact that why don't you want your tool to be sharp? Like you're sharpening, you lean into that grinding wheel. When you go to the doctor and your leg's broken, you want that guy to be able to set a bone. If you need to drive somewhere fast, you want to press on the gas pedal and that car goes. When you fly somewhere, you want that plane to stay in the air because those tools are sharp. They've been sharpened. They've been honed. They're there to have a purpose. They serve you in a very specific, purposeful way. And that's what you're doing. That's that's why I love them. That's why I know that you're one of my people because it's like, that's your goal every day. Like, like this sword is going to get rusty. It's going to get dull. It'll get heavy. You know, it'll get weathered. Somebody else might use it. It's like, no, you know, like, like this is, this is me. This is my way of staying sharp. So when I need my tools and my resource, resources, they're sharp. They're well-oiled. They feel like I train with them. It's like, you know, going on like a simple, like or a complex site. It's like, I always have a 30 pound pack on. Why? Because if I have an 80 pound pack on, I want to be like, like halfway there. If I have no pack on, I want to just kill it. You know, like I'll get up at 4.30 every morning. So 5.30 is a breeze, you know, like mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I'm up for 18 hours a day. So if I have to be up for 20, it's great, but I can celebrate a 12 hour day, you know, like got to keep those tools sharpened. Like that's, you know, and, but why is that missing? Do we feel, or am I looking at the old world through rose colored lenses, thinking that there was more people like that, or it wasn't so dirty. It wasn't like, oh, look at you, toxic masculine men with a huge <laughs> ego. It's like, like, but again, like, I'm just like, no, I want to believe that men and women all used to live like this. I don't want to think it's just like the people like, you know, you and I and the millions of other people like us that you're, we're this new class of people. It's like, no, 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 like we're the fruits of the motherfucking seeds of the past. Like we're not, there's, there's nothing new about me, but it's like, like, yeah, you want to say like, I might be a Southern Alberta farm boy. So waking up before sunrise is just in my blood, but it's like, well, no, because I haven't had to do that for 30 years. Like this is just, this is who I am because this is who you are and we're similar in these capacities and there's a vast network around us. But you always talk to those people. There's like, I kind of feel like I was born at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. There it is right there. Great question though, in terms of, um, you know, what was it like back then? I, I, I don't, you know, thinking about this, I, I, I actually, I think human society has always been this way. I think, I think there's been always a large denomination of people that uh, press the reset button every day. And within that group, there are the achievers, the honorable, the integrity driven workers, um, and then there's people that just get enough to get by and maybe lack inspiration, whatever. And then you have your, your percentage of people that are pushing the envelope, that are always leveling up. Back then, you're, you know, if we want to label, uh, put a romance spin on it, right? The explorers, the adventurers, you know, the honor of forging into a land and, and carving your path, whatever. Um, and then 
you have you have the the group of people that you know what they they, they can't get out of their own flipping way. I and and I don't think that's changed. I think I I, I think that is human nature. I, I don't know, and I, and I I'd love for your input on this. I don't you know if if you completely disagree or not, but I, you know, I, I, I don't know. There's people out there that subscribe that everybody has the given potential. And that may be, that may be in reality, everyone's has the potential. What, you know, what childhood trauma, what environmental experiences, what genetic hardwiring and, and all that stuff plays a, plays a part. And what I've seen though is, I'm in this, I'm in this lane. There's this lane on the highway. There's this lane and there's this lane. I'm in this lane of society, right? The, the Blakes, the James, the, the rich roles of the world. Boom. Yeah. That's where I'm in. See, and so I, I just jump in because you asked like, you know, yeah, yeah. Go for it. So I think, I think a few things here, I think the baseline has changed dramatically and the middle ground has become more vast. There's, there's a canyon now instead of a stream. And the baseline is dramatically different. And I say this because I look at it all the time. I'll pick on women, then I'll pick on men. So women who, I know tons of women who feel that are stay-at-home moms, that feel like they're extremely overworked. And I'm like, you have a nanny for one. And for two, your kids most of the time are at school all day. And most of your day is kind of like going to the gym, socializing with your friends, getting your nails done and shit. I realize that's not every woman. I said I was just going to pick on women in general, um, first off. But I'm like, that's just not hard. A woman back in the day when it's like you have four or five kids, there's nobody around. You're baking bread, you're jamming, you're pickling, you're canning, you're washing clothes with like a cheese grater in a bucket, you're spinning them through a wheel by hand, you're hanging them on clotheslines, you might have to trek a half a mile to a well to be able to get water and bring it back. You're gardening and foraging for your food to put it on the table for your family. Motherfucker, that shit's hard. That's not even men today. Not saying men or any, but but that's not even the most <laughs> high productive men today. That's true. That's but then true. you look at like men, and I was I'm like, bro, you can't even do five fucking push-ups. Man, you can't even run a half mile. You know, like your your tool is completely useless. Like, let's just let's just be honest. Like, if it comes to hopping in your air-conditioned car. And driving down to 7-Eleven and getting a fucking Slurpee and a Snickers bar, bro, you're great at it. Like, let's just go. But I'm like, our baseline is terrible. Absolutely terrible. You know, like the baseline before, like 100 years ago, was ruthless. Like, it was ruthless compared to what it is now. Like, like you and I are standard women of 100 years ago. Like, thoroughly. Like, like no joke. Like, I'm like, man, I killed this, like, weight. It took me 20 seconds to push that weight sled 40 feet. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, yeah, it might have been an accomplishment. But, like, you know, I'm not, like, tying one child to the front of me and one child and two screaming kids. I'm trying to garden and I'm wringing out clothes. And, like, 
Like that shit was all day, every day. I'm not that woman back then, no matter what I do. I can sit in any ice bath, I get whatever. But like, I'm not even like an average woman of a hundred years ago. So that to me, the baseline garbage. But the baseline, sorry, yeah, the baseline is 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 hinged upon survival. So so you know, and stakes, right? So the survival aspect, you know, that woman, she she didn't need to go put her ass on a elliptical. Yeah, she didn't get it. Didn't have to go get her nails done, right? The guy didn't have to go and 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 fucking play squash or whatever, right? Uh, They had a field attendant. They had laundry to do because the stakes were there. They didn't you know, the, their, their, their life would crumble. But look, what we, look what we've created more mental health issues than we ever had yeah. more medical conditions than we've ever had more physical conditions that we've ever had more labels than what we've ever had more polarization than we've ever had loss of community in an astronomical rate, a, an actual pandemic of rural communities, because Everybody's moving to major urban centers and the amount of rural cities that we've lost in Canada over the last 25 years. If you look at the statistics is mind boggling. And like, this is what it's created. You know, this is what that has created when our baseline has shifted because of technology and, you know, maybe like to some degree, like the social programs that we've created, like this is the result. And everybody is like, we live in the best times ever. It's like, I understand why it's easy and sexy to say that we live in the best times ever. I completely understand that shit. But I'm like, how disillusioned are we that we buy into that? It's like, how can you say that this is the best time ever when the smallest percentage of the population has any kind of fundamental ability to be able to experience life and those motherfuckers' mental health, like 80% of them is bad because of how they got there and how they're living. And I'm like, how far do you have to go to look at the statistics that the happiest people in this world live in third world countries? I know, right? And it's like, they're like, no, that can't be true. And it's like, the problem is that, yes, it is. And the problem is, is that that's your response, is that right. it can't be right. It's like, no, no, no that's reality. Like what we've created here with this marginalized baseline is like, like you take like men, you and me, the soft version of you and me. And I'm only going to say you and me because we're talking right now. The soft version of us would have been putting in the Canadian Pacific Railway during wintertime through the Rockies. Like that's the soft version of us. Because that was ever that was ever that was a huge percentage of the population. Mm-hmm. I couldn't I, if somebody was like, like, here's a pickaxe and a hammer and <laughs> spend 20 hours of your day and then go live in that shit for the other four hours and wake up tomorrow and do it again, I'd be like, Oh man, I never ice bathed enough and I didn't push enough what weights I should have done more battle rope and I should like uh, you know what I mean? Like I I would not survive. It, yeah. Like I would I probably but you know what I mean like like that was the average person so you take the average woman killing herself every day and like should it be like that no but should it be that and where we are today not a chance the the divide is too wide you know and like this is where like the simplicity of life has just corrupted us as human beings and it's like 
when can we understand that? It's like people in third world countries have it better than those guys pounding those spikes in the railway in the Rockies a hundred years ago, 120 years ago. People in third world countries say, have it better than that. Do all of them? No. But it doesn't mean that we should take the most impoverished country in the world and say like, that's how it should be versus how we are in Western culture. There's a lot of countries that live in the middle part of that bowling lane. And it doesn't have to be the thin ball-sized gutters going down the outside because there's a lot of people living in that middle lane. And we're just like, if we could only help them. And I'm like, you dumb motherfucker. Like, that's how we look at people. And we, that's how we look at those situations in life where we can't even look and be like, wow, every statistic that we can pull outside of what their house visually looks like when I look at it says that they're living a better quality life. But because they ride a bike to work in the rain and come back and they might not have, they have sheets as walls. I was like, oh, that's terrible. Can't believe those people are living like that. Well, because they're, 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 yeah, their perception, perception of anything is everything. And, and, and they've created their, their existence. And it's a simple existence, not based on anything other than the essential. Uh, and, and the essential necessarily isn't money. The essential is love, community, uh, communication and conversation. Uh, you know, and and the, the happiest places and the people that live the longest. The blue zones, uh, you know, the, I don't know the current study, but four out of the five were all third world mm-hmm. a few years back. I mean, why? Because they had those things. They lived in a communal family environment, right? They had conversation. They, have a, they had a support. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I agree with you. And I also... I also think, Blake, and for me, I I feel like honor and integrity existed more back in the day, and maybe that is why. And, and this conversation with you has has caused this. I'm going to be thinking about this. I'm like, is that another reason why I'm so drawn to the past, to um, the old days, uh, because there was more, more of that. There was more code. There was a code. Uh, and, and, and perhaps that's how people like you and I evolved because you operate from a code. I operate from a code, uh, and we label it as such. And, and it, it is our unwavering compass point of how we show up every fucking day. And, and I dare say that many, many people out there don't well and that's and that's why i say to like to people to a lot of the guys that i know like in my social network when i say i'm like you know what i'm like if we were vikings back in the day we would all be the guys standing on the front line because i don't have a death death wish i don't want to die i'm a moderate thrill seeker because you know like there's just like i i love the adventure that's also attached with the thrill but the one thing that i know is every single time that i watch one of those movies like like Troy or Alexander or, you know, just like any of these Viking shows or, you know, maybe some of the new versions that with like SEAL Team 6 or something along those lines is it's like, you are my people. You are my people. When I see it in your eyes, when that actor is playing that role and I'm like, I see it in you. 
that's who I am. So when I, I glorify that moment being like, it is an honor. It is an honor to be able to, to be so connected with who you are and what you stand for that you will run with your hand high in the air into battle. And you're like, I will fight for what I believe in. I will, I will sweat. I will swing. I will bleed for what I believe in and what I'm passionate about, what means something to me. And you see that come out in people and you, in those extreme situations where again, it's like your integrity will show by your actions. Are you the guy who volunteers to stand in the back of that first wave or second wave or third wave? Or do you want to carry the honor of being with the, one of the first people out there to be able mm. to run into battle and say, this is what I've been doing every day. And that's like what I feel when I do all these things I do in my day and how you list that and the people that I know is like every day, it's like you're training for when that battle comes. So when life throws that shit at you, it's like, yes, I've been waiting for right. this. Like, let me take my lumps because I know like what you said that I'm going to pull the education out of this. I'm going to shift because I always say that it, it's like, I'm a, I'm a container shipper, an oil tanker where like when I'm going to port, I'm making that turn 500 miles out. <laughs> it's a one degree turn. And every single one of those things, in my life just nudges my ship that another 1% in the direction that I should be going down. And the day that I die, when I actually may get there, I'll be happy because I'm not trying to live the final destination from 40 to 100. I'm trying to live the process because the process is mm. what I have found value. In. I love that. Live the process. Write down that blankism. I like that, man. Yeah. Etched in the brain. Um, I, I apologize. I had absolutely no idea that it was the time that it is right now. And I, I feel ashamed having to wrap this thing up. I'm having a great conversation uh, with you. What an honor and a privilege. I, I love meeting people that are just a part of a, a like-minded community and, you know, just people who are willing to have like a good quality, passionate conversation. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I thank you so much, James. It's, it's been such an honor. Well, thank you, Blake. I loved, I love the conversation and, uh, I just, you know, these are important things. And, and I think it's a testament to, to us seeking to have conversation. It's, it's, a, it's a lost thing. Everyone's caught up in their own bubble. And there's so much to be had about just uh, holding space and, and showing up and, and having a conversation with, from the heart and with, with, no, with no judgment, with, with, in a free, uh, you know, heart-led container. It's like, boom. Uh, there's there's a lot of great things and I for one enjoyed this fully and uh, I look forward to uh, to chatting more for yeah, sure yeah absolutely and another note that I just want to um, to bring in here is I really respect and value always having the time and space to be able to have a real conversation with somebody where it's like it doesn't have to be filtered it's free thought thoughts don't have to align and it's not just simply about um listening to replies, listening to listen. And I really feel like that conversation was this and um, what, what a great opportunity and a perfect way to be able to start my day. So thank you again. Awesome. Yeah. Likewise, man. Cool.